Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Hi, Jenny. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing amazing. We happen to be recording this on my 31st anniversary, and so I'm, I'm living the high life. How are you doing? That's great. (laughs) I'm doing good too. It's a rainy day here. It's a little rainy here, but we got to sit outside and eat dinner with our extended family. um, Masks on until the food arrived. And it was, it was just really pleasant. That's fantastic. Yeah. Have you been getting any uh, sewing done lately? I've gotten a little bit of sewing done lately. It's been a weird week for me at the office, which kind of impacts my ability to sew because when I'm stressed, I either want to sew, but I make a lot of mistakes, or I want to sit and watch television that is of no high quality at all. Um, So this week, I've been mostly sewing what I have to. I've done some test sewing um, for a favorite pattern company, um, as well as some test knitting, which is new to me. On the test sewing, the very first test I did, it came out beautifully. I'm very excited to see this garment that I cannot disclose about. Um, be released into the world. And then I decided to make a second version. And, and I, I have, I have ripped out this very thin crepe material (laughs) more times from surged stitches for the dumbest reasons than I can even describe. And it gets worse than that. These are surged stitches finishing edges on things that were first gathered to be sewn together And the worst indignity of all is that I had gathered multiple layers upon layers of things, attached them to a piece where the piece I attached them to was upside down. So there was no fix for it because it's much wider at one end than the other. And I gathered the pieces to the narrower end instead of the wider end. So there there was, I had to take out the gathering. I had every bit of it. And, um, and so I, I worked on fixing that this morning rather than making lunch to take to work because <laughs> I was determined surprised to fix it. me, Jenny, because what I would have <laughs> expected you to do is throw that in the trash and start over. <laughs> I know, but here's the thing. It's such pretty fabric oh. and I committed seven yards of it to this. So, totally. so not finishing it over that seemed small. Yeah. And I had to pull the fabric out of the, the pile I give to my daughter and piece together the pieces I needed to replace the, the curved piece that was wrong and then roll back and do it. And so normally, absolutely, my approach would be to toss it. But the fabric was so pretty. And I did look. There was no more. So, so I had no choice. I'm sure you'll agree. Or as an alternative reality version of that, you have been a good influence on me and I wish to correct my errors. Hard to say, hard to say. In addition, I sort of helped my older daughter get her sewing machine back up and running um, and showed her some really basic things about how to make an A-line skirt. I use the uh, A-line from 100 Acts of Sewing because it's two simple pieces and you can make choices about whether or not to build in a fold over waistband or to just stretch elastic along a finished edge or other things to finish that one off. So I taught her to do that. And okay. I showed her a few simple things on how to adjust stitches and tension and things. And it was wonderful. So I, I'm very excited for her to start some sewing. 
That's wonderful. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. What have you been working on? Well, as you know, I've been recovering from surgery. Yes. And I'm doing better, doing better all the time. I've got all my, pretty much all my energy back, actually. Um, and then I've also been having withdrawals from talking to you because we went about, I don't know, over two weeks without recording. And that's weird. <laughs> this is completely weird. Given that we didn't know each other mm-hmm. a couple months ago. <laughs> It's it's weird how much I really look forward to this moment every week. Yeah. Um, so and I enjoy our texts as well. It's just so much fun. But I have done some sewing. Um, I'm working on my own PF drafty, which is we'll talk about soon. And it's a midi length skirt with some side panels. I also decided to do the Hashtag frugal frocks 2021. I have no idea why it's always so hard for me. It's over by the time you're listening to this. So you wouldn't be able to do this except for you can always just make a free dress. But I did the peppermint pleated summer dress and I did it in a linen rayon mix. And it's a good pattern if you want to learn if you don't know how to do a placket, a button placket, it's a half placket. So that's actually harder than full placket, I think. And then um, it's also a hidden placket. So it has an extra layer in there. And also it has pleats the whole way around. And they have an interesting way of doing the pleats that I like. And I will apply that when I do pleats in the future. Maybe that's the way you're always supposed to do it. And I didn't know. (laughs) And then today I made a new uh, t-shirt, which is the Rebecca Page Toronto Tee. It's a free pattern and uh, I recommend it. It's a, it's kind of just a plain boxy t-shirt that is uh, n- not very fitted and very, very comfortable. So that's what well, that's wonderful. My go-to t-shirt is of course my Tarly tee, which I don't make as a t-shirt, but as a dress, <laughs> but, but it's always neat to see new options out there. Um, the, the Tarly has a really high neck and I like something a little bit lower as well. Not quite as, um, up against my, uh, my neck as much as the, the Tarly does. So I sometimes adapt that the neckline you're wearing looks just a little bit lower and is really lovely. Yeah. I really, really like it. it. I probably will drop the neckline, uh, neckline a little bit on my second version of it too. So, yeah, I totally forgot. I did do something for PF drafty. So okay. I feel like I should mention it. Um, I have made an Upton pleated skirt and I drafted pockets for it because oh, I hate great. pockets usually the way they stick yeah. out on my hips, but I drafted those pockets you see on denim jeans that are kind of that curvy little shape on them. And I drafted that in and then I used secret um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg fabric to line the pockets because if you cut your pockets in that way, you can 100% hide a great pocket in there without fear of it flashing as you move or sit. So it was very exciting. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Um, I think we've got a feature you want to talk about this week, right? Yes. I wanted to talk um, about one of our followers on Instagram. Her name is Michelle and her Instagram handle is so very much. Uh, so is an SEW and it's, you know, no, nothing in between there. And um, I have it linked in our show notes and she has a beautiful clothing, like all the clothes that she posts are really beautiful, but two in particular that I wanted to call people's attention to 
she has this two-piece con- combo, which is a little bit like a faux dress with an Ashton top and a peppermint, um, the peppermint magazine pocket skirt in this really bright, very geometric fabric. And I love it. It reminds me a little bit of Shoots and Ladders if it got involved with Andy Warhol. <laughs> and th- that might be sort of the outcome. And I, I do love it. That's a fabric I would buy all day long. Yeah. And the other one is another hinterland dress. And you know, I like that pattern. And the print on it is what drew me in. So last time we talked about somebody with a print with cows on it. This one probably wins because it has kangaroos on it. Kangaroos, mad pies, and flowers. It is It is completely beautiful. And honestly, and I don't know how I am able to say this about this dress, the kangaroos are subtle. <laughs> and, and it's... It feels surprising to say on what is a really bright and brilliant print that the kangaroos are subtle, and yet they are, and it is a fabulous print. I do love it. Yeah, that's wonderful. And so thank you, Michelle, for letting us share your makes uh, on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of our Punk Frockers Who to Follow WTF um, (laughs) featurette. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, this week though, what we really want to talk about is, um, size bias in patterns. And so you should buckle in because it is going to be a bit of a wild ride. This, um, this is something that both of us feel really passionately about and certainly something I've been dealing with for almost all 40 years that I've been sewing. And we're going to have some conversations that we're going to share with you, um, that I had when interviewing a number of, um, interested sewists in the community. Um, Beverly did think that perhaps instead of a four hour long podcast, we would instead feature maybe 10 minutes of each of the interviews and have some conversations around those interviews, but also around the topics that were just raised sort of generally inside of them. Um, so that's, that's what we're going to do this episode. And I'm really looking forward to it. Beverly, anything you'd like to add? Yes. Um, the interviews in their entirety will be posted on Jenny wrote a blog post for this episode and the interviews, the entire, she talked about an hour to each person. And if you are interested in listening to them, or let's say one of the people is somebody that you particularly admire, go listen to, and I recommend you listen to all of them. They're fantastic interviews. Um, but we just didn't want to put, make the podcast four hours long. It felt like a bit of an ask for you um, to, to listen to four hours worth of podcast. Um, the other thing I really want to mention here is that both Beverly and I are um, strongly opinionated women, as all women should be. And uh, in this case, we're going to be talking about stuff that can feel controversial and can feel uh, uncomfortable because biases are always uncomfortable to talk about. So understand that um, there's definitely different perspectives and we look forward to hearing from you about those perspectives. Yeah. Next up, what we'd like you to do is to take a few minutes here. We're going to have you listen to the first 10 minutes of my conversation with Marianne Kirby. Welcome. I'd like to introduce you to uh, my guest tonight, which is who is Mary Ann Kirby, and she is an author and fat activist. She's here this evening because we're going to, or um, <laughs> she is here because we want to talk about pattern sizing, um, extended sizing, possibly even language around it, like exclusive, inclusive versus not. Um, and uh, the Soast community. So welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you. I, yeah. I, I am super excited about the podcast, yeah. so I'm doubly excited to be on it. 
thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. I'm very excited to get your input. You're one of uh, one of the people I followed for a very long time on Instagram, and I really enjoy the makes that you do and the photography that you do around them, which I find to be very interesting and artistic and to often say something in addition to the garment. So it's it's a pleasure for sure. Thank you. So- I try, <laughs> like, especially this year, right? Like, I'm just trying to, like, keep myself entertained, but I feel like... I feel like selfies of fat people are really important to put out into the world. I agree with you. It's actually part of why I started posting on Instagram. I had not used it particularly prior to August of 2019. And when I started sewing again and realized there were pattern companies, some of which almost came up to my 61 inch hip size compared to when I sewed at first almost 40 years ago where nothing even kind of pretended to fit my body. I was so excited about it. And when I went out to look, I didn't find much representation for my body shape or size. And so I just started creating the content that I wanted to see elsewhere. Um, and it was, it's been good for my ego, but it's also been just really amazing to hear from people who say things like, I, I'm going to make this dress because now I know what it might look like on my body the designer doesn't have any pictures of that. So it's very helpful to me. And I, I really love that. It's one of the things I love about your account and I love, I'm, I'm 43. So I also love like all of the different ages of people in the sewing community on Instagram, uh, because I feel like you're still only ever going to see like a 20 year old size two. Um, there, there's definitely course. adequate representation for that, uh, in, you know, from my experience of it. Um, do you curate, curate your own feed to sort of limit body sizes that you see, or is your feed representative of a wide variety of body sizes and types? So inevitably what happens um, anytime I am following based on interests is that I start out following fat people um, because that's, the content that's most relevant to me, right? Like Mm -hmm. I want to see people who are my size or larger. I want to see people of color. I want to see queer people. Mm -hmm. Then, right, like you talk to people and you make friends and you're like, well, I guess I'll follow you even though. (laughs) And it's never, ever that begrudging. It's always like, you're awesome. I'm going to follow you. You're just very, very small. and and so like then I follow because there's a personal interest or a personal relationship. Like when I am following people for inspiration and like getting to know a community, yeah, I, I do curate. I absolutely look for fat people first. I I do the same thing. I um I've intentionally gone through and tried to make sure that enough of my feed represents what I want to see more of in the world or where I can more easily picture myself than other things, which does primarily mean older, fatter, queerer bodies. And it's, it's really interesting to realize how different my feed looks than it did when I started. And it's been really helpful to me. Um, Like fat politics, fat liberation perspective, like one of the one of the most powerful things you can do, right, is is sort of push back against all of the media representation that we get about fat bodies not being good by yeah. surrounding yourself with 
images of lots of other bodies. And so like, I'm self-interested because I want to see what those pants look like on someone whose ass is my size. But it is also, I, I need that antidote to the rest of the world. So. I agree. I, I think that's that's been really interesting. And one of the struggles for me to sort of move it back into our sewing space has been finding good representation for the things that I want to put on. I can recall there's a dress by Byhan London called the Anna, which I, I really love, but it never occurred to me to make it based on the images and representations I had seen both on the website and when I'd gone to look it up to see what it might look like. And um, one day someone posted in some Facebook group, I think, with that dress. And I thought, oh, shit, that's going to look good on me. (laughs) And I immediately bought it, bought way too much material to make way too many versions of it because I could see myself in it. And it was it was really exciting. Equally, it's disappointing when I'm following a sewist that I just admire and they post something really awesome that stops 10 inches before I do. And there are some things I'm going to expand. And there are some things where I'm like, yeah, I don't feel great about giving you money when you don't even see my body. (laughs) And that's, that's really frustrating. I'm super crotchety about it, right? Because I've been sewing since I was six years old. My, my great grandmother taught me how Um, I learned by making Barbie clothes by hand. Um, mostly I think because she wanted to watch like her soap operas in peace for just like five minutes. Um, and so I started sewing without patterns. Um, and as I got into patterns, I was like, A, these are terrible and B, they don't fit my body. Cause I've always been really fat, right? Like, um, like I, I hit that like puberty point and just like puffed up and it was great. Um, but it meant that, I have always been, as as patterns like expand in size, I have always been just outside that wave of size, size expansions. Um, I'm experiencing that now. Everybody's like, oh, we go to a size 32. And I'm like, that's a ready-to-wear size 22 or 24. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm outside of that. So like my my willingness to grade up is is fairly slim but I think mostly that's because I don't actually depend on patterns to make a garment like I'll just make it without that and I'll keep my $15 for the pattern I can understand that when I started sewing in a big way so I I learned when I was about 10 or 12 so I've been doing it about 40 years and when I first learned to sew I was um not an athletic build not a thing I've ever been accused of, but I was um, a relatively normal size for that age group. Like I didn't fall at an extreme high or an extreme low. I fell really in the middle for the average. So not normal so much as average. And when I hit puberty, um, well, first off, I hit 12 and my boobs just came in full force. But beyond that, I started to puff up more And patterns back then, of course, most stopped at a size 18, which was like a 12 or smaller. And I was a 14. So I was a little above it and couldn't quite fit into those patterns. And I learned really quickly that I could just create my own pattern from clothing I already owned. Mm -hmm. So I drafted that way and just made all my stuff out of my head 
after that for many years, because every time I'd go back into patterns, I would be just so devastated when I looked through them with my skinny sewing friends and found there was nothing out there for me. I was, um, I am fortunate to be on the other side of that divide. I am usually at about the top of what a company that has what they consider to be inclusive or expanded sizing allows for, not always, but if they're aimed at a plus market at all, I'm probably right at the tippy tippy top of it. And I prefer a skirt with a full skirt anyway. So I just have to do bust and hip and I'm probably okay. But it pisses me off (laughs) that there's so much out there that I don't have access to. And that when the companies expand half the time, it feels like they don't go far enough just to start. If I'm still the top, you have done it wrong. But beyond that, it sometimes feels like, like they're doing it because they have to, which is just the way to get the best results out of someone, I think, right? If they're grudging about it, you really, you really get the best results. <laughs> I feel like they're doing it because they have to. And while they're doing it, they're doing it without actually knowing or caring about anybody who lives in that size body. Um, so Beverly, now that you've uh, had an opportunity to listen to my conversation with Marianne, um, can you share your thoughts on it? I know we've just had an opportunity to start to listen to me on it and I'll have more to say, but I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Um, one of the things that struck me right away is that Marianne talked about representation and we're going to do more on representation in the future, but um, I think it's important to note that here. Um, and also you know, I like that she stood up and she said she's unwilling to person to purchase a pattern and then regrade it um, because she and part of the reason is because she's always drafted her own patterns and she's able to do so. Um, it kind of gives her the fu the ability to say fu to companies that don't want to draft for her uh, her for her body. And then um, I wanted to note that at the end of the clip, uh, there starts a discussion about how making things bigger isn't enough. You can't just keep on going and going and going because, you know, our arms don't get longer and longer and longer. And also our body shapes change as we get bigger. The fact that uh, patterns, um, patterns are made to fit thin bodies, there should be equal Uh, consideration into patterns that fit over fat bodies. Absolutely. And this issue, how garments fit fat bodies has been one of the issues I've had with a company that I've supported personally, much longer than makes sense, given how little of their designs are made to fit my body. And in fact, literally nothing they design is intended to fit my body. And I want to talk about that a little here. And the, the, the thing I want to throw in is sort of a disclaimer at this point is to note that I'm going to name names throughout the rest of this podcast. And I am doing it because if I don't name names, you're going to go and try and figure out who it is I'm talking about anyway. But not naming names is a passive aggressive way to approach this. And I'd really rather just say, hey, these are the conversations I've had around this with these particular designers or companies. And this is what's worked about them and what hasn't worked about them for me. Um, So I'm just getting that out there before I start the name naming, which happens now. So 
Gertie Hirsch and her charm patterns have been vexing for me for a very long time. I love her retro designs and I bemoan the absolute lack of inclusivity for my body. When she introduced her Patreon a year ago, there was a lot of conversation around how she was going to use the support that she hoped to receive from Patreon in order to be able to expand sizing. And I joined the Patreon immediately at the highest financial level, about $20 a month with the tax. And I've supported her for a full year, waiting to see some of that inclusivity occur. Um, When I comment every time a pattern would be released that, oh, here's another one that just doesn't fit my body. The response I typically hear both from Gertie herself, who did take the time to respond to me, so kudos for that, um, and other fans was, well, this pattern's probably going to work for you because the ease is much larger than you're thinking. Um, Or this pattern will fit for you because it fits a 52-inch bust and you have a 51-inch bust. So clearly this pattern is designed for your body. But typically those patterns are there her, her largest size at that time, a 20, she's now expanded to a 22. Um, but that still leaves me having to redraft the arm side, the sleeve, the waist, and the skirt if it's a fitted design, um, which is essentially the entire dress. It's as if um, I am only seen for the, the bust that I have, um, which which isn't what I am. I'm a lot more than that. Um, additionally, the measurements that she uses to advertise her designs don't include mine. Other than my 51-inch bust, none of my measurements appear on those designs. And yet, some of her patterns do fit because the ease drafted into them leaves leaves them with so much more full, <laughs> fullness that I can fit my body into. It's just a weird situation. They're not designed for my body, but I can squeeze into some of them anyway. But it's it's so frustrating to see her inability to see why only recognizing my bust and not the rest of my body is problematic. I finally have discontinued my Patreon support because I can no longer see the value in continuing to contribute money to a company that that doesn't appear to be interested in expanding their sizing for me. Um, I do wish she would more publicly commit to either extending or not doing it so that I can understand what the situation is instead of still hoping and wondering. So that's sort of a ramble about where my issues are um, with that particular company and how that fits into some of the conversation Marianna, Marianne and I had about garments and fitting fat bodies. Well, I do do also want to um, bring something up that that I knew about at that time too. Um, you had last month, I believe, made two versions of a skirt, the Upton skirt, and one mm-hmm. you didn't have enough fabric, and so you were able to make that skirt by making it with less ease than the designer intended. Yes. And then you made it again with the ease of the designer intended. In other words, made to your measurements. Yes. And the skirt looked very different. Yes. So Gertie's uh, idea that you can use this because the ease will fit you means that it will not fit you the way she designed it. Absolutely. And that's something um, that actually came up in a conversation I had with the next person I interviewed, Leela Kelleher. And it came up in the context of saying, yeah, so the thing is, (laughs) when you can recognize that you can fit within the ease, it doesn't necessarily mean you're getting the design experience that the pattern designer intended. And if you go into that knowing it and you're okay with the results because it matches what your vision for the pattern is, that's one thing. But if the vision that the designer had can't be carried out on your body because of the design limitations they built into the pattern, 
that's problematic. Let's move on to the interview I had with Leela Kelleher. Um, we'll go ahead and start that for you now. Hello, I'd like to introduce you to my guest today, um, Leela Kelleher from Muna and Broad. Good morning. Good morning, Jenny. Um, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited that um, you have started a new podcast because I like to listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really glad that you were willing to join me for this. Um, what uh, what we'd like to talk about today is pattern sizing. Um, in I think from the perspective of um, the question of inclusivity or extension of sizing, and what that looks like in the sewing community. And as you are uh, one of my my favorite uh, presences in the sewing community. Um, I was hoping you'd have some stuff to share with me. What are your first thoughts when you hear me say inclusive sizing? Oh, wow. Um, I think inclusive sizing is a real minefield. Um, so, um, you know, I just wanted to kind of clarify that throughout this podcast, I'm speaking from my own perspective as um, a pattern. You know, I make the patterns and I do all the grading for Mon and Broad, and I'm half of Mon and Broad. But, um, I can't speak for Jess, who's the other half of the broad. So this is, you know, from my perspective as a pattern maker. Um, now, I will say that, like, for example, so with Muna and Broad, we uh, we include people in the upper sizes, but we do not include small people. So we are not size inclusive. And to be honest, I don't think that anyone can really claim that they are truly size inclusive because then what you're saying is you include everybody. And nobody includes everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a solid point. It would be literally impossible to do. Unless you're <laughs> custom drafting for every person. Yep. Like that would be the only way to say you're size inclusive. And actually, um, Jenny from Cashmeret has made the same point. You know, she has said, you know, you don't see Cashmeret saying that um, we are size inclusive. You know, they have a mandate and their mandate is for people with big boobs. And it's you know, serving a specific market. And, you know, I feel like it's the same with us. You know, we go from, you know, about a 40-inch bust or a 41-and-a-half-inch hip and upwards, um, and we don't have an end point with where our patterns end in the upper direction, but we do have a, a, a sizing that we end with in the lower direction. Right. I've appreciated that you... Um you are happy to draft for someone whose measurements exceed your already drafted sizes. Yeah. I mean, the reason that we did that is because the end of our size chart is just an arbitrary decision. It's like, well, this seems to be about a size, you know, that we just decided. Like there was no real reason. Also, we totally recognize that that is absolutely excluding some people who wear clothes and some people who want to sew the clothes. So what we do instead is if somebody reaches out, out to us to say, you know what, I have an, say an 80 inch hip. Um, what we'll do is, um, so I will grade up according to our size chart. So I'll, I'll extend our size chart up further and beyond to where they need. So they have some latitude with like, so they can blend their sizes and whatever. So um, it's not a custom grade for them. It's extending our size chart so that they have the same jumping off point as everybody else. You know, it is normal to have to make a few tweaks and adjustments to a pattern if you want it to fit your body like a glove. Um, 
but I don't think it's reasonable for somebody who have to have to make the actual um, basic dimensions of a pattern bigger. I don't think that's a reasonable request for a home sewer. I, I think I agree. I know that when I quit sewing, I've sewn off and on for 40 years. When I quit sewing, it was largely because the big pattern companies ended 10 or more inches below my body size. And at some point I just said, I don't feel either comfortable or happy, depending on the pattern, having to draft that up. Um, it, it can definitely feel very uh, excluding um, in, in the big four pattern world. So, yes, I would, yeah. I would agree. I think that, um, so I, like you didn't sew for myself for many years. Um, and actually I would say in that intervening time, <laughs> um, indie patterns kind of happened and I was completely yeah. unaware of this all going on. Um, but you know, once I kind of came back into the sewing world and started seeing what was out there, you know, I realized that people were having to grade up patterns by 10, 20 inches. And it's just not, it's very hard to be successful like that. And I think it's especially unreasonable for somebody who might be a beginner sewist to acquire advanced skills in grading, <laughs> I think is a very unreasonable request. It, it absolutely is. And it, it is interesting how much the indie pattern world blew up in the time between when I gave up and came back to sewing in 2019. Oftentimes when I go out and look at a pattern, I find it does not come in anything near my size. And there are many designers, and I'm not asking to name names, um, that haven't extended their sizing up by, by what I'd consider to be a reasonable amount. I look for patterns to go to at least 60 inches and I'd prefer to see 70 inches. And when you ask them about it, often the answer is it's, it's just too much work. It's too hard to try and fit bodies that are significantly larger than the set of sizes I've selected. Um, as a designer, has that been your experience as well or? Um, well, I mean, I think there's a, there's a few, I think there's a few things at work here. And um, so for people who have gone through like a formal fashion education, which I have, um, there is so much like fat phobia in the fashion world. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's not news to anybody. Um, and so when, when I was at fashion school, certainly, um, we only, I only pattern made on um, industries, well, in, in an, it's an Australian industry size 12, which is, I think, equivalent to like a US 4. It's like the this typical sample, industry sample size. It's very, very small. And, um, you know, you're kind of always working with those proportions. Um, the only time that um, at school that I did something bigger was for myself. Um, and then once I was working in the industry, like I was doing it for all kinds of bodies. So that was, that was different. But um, so there's, there is an inbuilt fat phobia and bias, I think, that people acquired through like living in our world but also from being at fashion school and it's kind of your eye gets used to seeing patterns a certain size you know that just seems like you know a typical size that you're used to seeing and all of the proportions are kind of that size um it's a, it's a mind shift to start seeing large patterns and understanding what shapes work on large sizes however 
I think that one of the things you learn through a professional um, fashion production education is you learn to turn two-dimensional flat patterns into things that fit a three-dimensional body. Like that's just a skill that you acquire and that you learn to kind of see things flat and how they're going to work in three dimensions. And actually I have a friend who studies this um, from a psychology point of view, like a neuroscience kind of point of view, and it's actually like a skill, it's a specific skill, she told me. I don't really know anything about it, but she said... She, oh, that's interesting. Oh. I can I can imagine it. That's interesting. Yeah, and it does take... What she says that it does take years to acquire. It's not something you can, it's not something that happens overnight. Um, so anyway, my opinion is that if you are a skilled pattern maker, you should be able to look at anybody, anybody, <laughs> and um, understand yeah. what you have to do to a flat pattern in order to fit that body. So um, I think that probably what happens in a lot of times is people haven't looked at large or fat bodies with that level of um, like an analytical eye or a desire to serve that body and um, honour that body by creating patterns and clothes that fit that body well. Um, I think that oftentimes plus-sized lines in fashion, not just in um, patterns, are just seen, have been traditionally seen as like an extension or um, an extra thing or, you know, an afterthought. And, um, you know, I think that the, the, I think we're seeing that now filtering down into um, the sewing world. And I think it's a little bit um, chicken and egg because, um, traditionally straight size sewers have had far more options to learn how to sew. And now that we're seeing a lot of um, indie pattern companies, a lot of people are kind of coming up through the home sewing world and then maybe, you know, you know, improving their skills and then um, maybe getting some more education and then eventually releasing patterns. They've come at that from the lens of straight sizes, their own body maybe being straight sized and then, also maybe not having a whole lot of experience fitting larger bodies and sewing for larger bodies. And so I think that can be, that can be one of the things that makes it difficult for people to um, understand how to fit large bodies. So now that you've had a chance to listen to the start of my interview with Leela, what are your thoughts, Beverly? I think that Leela, Leela always has such great things to say. And, um, I, and this is no exception. One of the things that I I love about her is that she she calls out the idea of inclusive sizing. Um, she says that no one pattern can accommodate all bodies, which is, you know, of course, obviously true. If you say you're inclusive of all and someone is outside of that size range, that's very hurtful. So now there obviously are ranges of inclusivity as far as some some are better than others. And she also mentions that it's normal to make tweaks and adjustments, but unreasonable for the home sewer to have to grade the pattern. And I have a note here because I, I wrote down that I don't have a clue how to do this because I've never had to. I've never had to grade a pattern. See, that blows my mind because I've never, I've almost never not 
had to grade a pattern. There are now some independent sewists where I don't have to, but the rule of thumb for me since I was 14 years old is that I'd have to grade. Uh, when I thought about this, I sat and thought, hmm, and I, I think probably most straight side sewists, if you imagine if you bought a pattern, let's say you didn't notice the size thing, you got home and you realize, well, that's six inches different than than my waist and you wanted to make it. Can you imagine like having to, like what if it had princess seams or something? Like how would I even add this in? I I really, yeah, that's too much to ask someone to do. I agree. I agree. I think that's, that's really rough. <laughs> that's really rough. I know she also had some interesting things to say about the fashion industry and the fact that when you are training to draft patterns, you are trained to draft to a U.S. size four, um, which is is not necessarily a very roomy size. Um, and it's certainly just one image of what a body can look like. And while your training should definitely teach you how to adapt that to work for any size or shape body, if you're used to seeing everything as a size four, how much time are you spending figuring out how to design for bodies that are different? Or are you kind of stuck in that little weird rut? Yeah, I I did... I did like that too. And, and I, I find one thing is, is true is in the time that I've been seriously garment sewing, a lot of the people that I follow on Instagram are larger than myself. Whereas when I was buying, um, patterns, when I was buying ready to wear clothes, all of the models that I see represented are smaller than myself. And so naturally now I see more larger bodies in my Instagram feed and it is amazing the way that it trains your eye. And it really makes you recognize that this is arbitrary. What we've decided is the right size for, for patterns to be. And I think she even talks about curating her feed to, um, to have to see more fat bodies. I think that's really important because one of the weird things about being fat is how fat phobic you can be. And I can only imagine that's worse if you're a, worse if you're a straight size sewist or just a straight size person where you may not be used to thinking about or confronting your internal biases about fat. Um, I've had to learn a lot about that in this past year as I tried to explore different sewing patterns and different ways of representing my body in public spaces. Um, it is that internalized fat phobia and that concern about putting things out there that that don't combat that are a big part of why I post my makes good, bad, and ugly. And I post them with the visible belly outline or with my fat rolls spilling over the top of or under the bottom of whatever it is I'm wearing, because that's my body, good, bad, or ill. That is my body. And it serves the purpose I need it to serve. And even if it didn't, it's still my body. It just is a thing, right? So I try to put that out there in the world because I think it's important. And I, I also curate my, my feed to represent more bodies bigger than mine because it's important that I see those in a normalized context so that I can make sure that I'm also continuing to combat the bias that I may have. Um, I think the other big thing that I got out of her conversa my conversation with her was that that talk about drafting that you mentioned at the, at the start there, that it is, it is daunting to have to learn to draft. And it is something I felt like I had to do because big four patterns are what there was and they did not come up above my body size. And so I started by just looking at them and thinking, well, if I needed those hips to be bigger, they're moving out about half an inch between sizes. So I guess 
I need to go half an inch times three because that's how much bigger I think I am. And eventually I learned that it would just be easier for me to buy rolls of newsprint and draft my own patterns based on what I wanted because I could start to see how to do that. Um, but it was still a lot to do. And at some point I just said, you know what? To heck with that. I'm just going to buy clothing. Also not easy, but not what this podcast is about. <laughs> and so that was the direction I went. I will say that there are, there are some other interesting things out there and available that I wanted to kind of call out at this moment. Um, one of which is uh, Chris Wood sews. Um, I recently found her envelope pattern dressed in the context of zero waste sewing. This is this is barely a pattern because it's really instructions on how to cut and assemble essentially straight lines, right? Because the goal is to take a rectangle of fabric, make it fit your body and have no waste. So you're, you're kind of limited to straight lines there that just logically. Um, and and it's, it's really neat because it's made to measure. And for the most part, you can cut those along the length of your fabric. So there's no restriction. It's not like for me, I can't make necessarily a skirt out of a yard of fabric because my hips are larger than the width of a yard of fabric. So it doesn't work for me. I got to have at least 62 inches. So I've got a seam allowance, even if I want a very fitted skirt on 61 inch hips. So the neat thing is you're doing it along the length of the fabric and it's made to your measurements. So those are really positive things. Um, but the issue we just talked about related to ease can come up because those pattern instructions generally are your measurement plus a set number which is your ease. And that set number, a 10 inch ease on me will look very different than it will on you, which will look still different than it does on my daughter who wears a size eight pattern, right? right? There's, a, there's a huge difference in how 10 inches looks there. So there are some concerns there. You have to understand how ease works and maybe make your own adjustments. But the thing that I found really commendable about Chris is that earlier this year, she asked a group of fat sewists on Facebook in a pattern testing group how she should approach fat sewists to let them know that she designed for them. Because you can make these to your own measurements, by definition, they are available to almost any body size or type. And she listened and she changed her approach on the basis of that feedback, which I thought was really commendable. Um, she understood after the discussion why one size isn't a term that most fat people recognize or appreciate because we've been sold that pig in a poke many times when we bought something one size that meant at least one size smaller than you. And, and that's a really frustrating term, right? Sort of like inclusive can be frustrating because if you don't fit in one size, what are you even, yeah. right? right. Um, and then she started featuring more fat people on her feed and she started adding, adding measurements to the photographs that she presented of, of people in her garments so that you could have a real context for how things fit. Um, I know my feedback initially had been, I know you've got a larger model in yourself, but the larger model doesn't seem that big. And when she shared those measurements, I'm like, oh crap, she's like my size. And I would never have guessed that from the photos. So it's really helpful to have those numbers on there, right? Yes. Um, and so to me, this is a, a pretty decent picture of what it can look like to reach out to the fat sewing community and say, I don't get it. And then then listen and incorporate some of those ideas. So, so I definitely appreciated that um, about Chris and her approach to this. That's great. Yeah. Um, so on that note, let's move on to uh, the last, but definitely not least of my interviews. I had an amazing time chatting with Aronica Cole. Um, so let's stop and listen to that now. 
All right. So good afternoon, listeners. I am here with Aronica Cole, who is a consummate creator from The Needle and the Bell. If you aren't following her on Instagram or any other places she can be found, you should totally be doing that. Good morning and welcome or afternoon and welcome. (laughs) Hey, Jenny, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We're, we're, definitely thrilled. So as you know, there have been several controversies. I could really be saying this at any point during any year. There have been several controversies about um, size inclusivity or size extension of ranges or how Mm -hmm. fat bodies are represented in the sewing world. And Mm -hmm. I suspect you have thoughts on that. And I was really hoping we could hear some of those. I absolutely do have thoughts on them. I I feel like 2020 was one of those years that was like, because we were like stuck at home, it was like blatant and in our face and not just in like people who have fat body spaces, because it's always in our face. Let's be real here. But it was in the face of everyone else, just the lack of action that many um, pattern designers were taking as far as it, it pertains to extending sizes. Right. Um, And because of that, we saw a huge, um, a lot of discord in the sewing community as it pertained to, you know, size inclusivity, you know, from pattern group to pattern group, especially for those that stopped really, really like on the low end and claimed that they were inclusive because it might have said it's a 26, but if you're a 26 and your hip size is like, I don't know, a 50, that's not inclusive. Right. And, um, what people were met with, It wasn't like a thing of, oh, yes, you're right. Thank you for showing this to me. Let's get on extending these here sizes. What the plus size community was met with was, oh, well, that takes special grading and that's not a priority. Um, And last year, it angered me a lot because it's like in your face, like you're fat. The only thing you have to do is lose weight, stop being so fat, and you'll be able to fit in the patterns. And honestly, that's what a lot of the community was saying that are that are within these groups. Um, and that was like almost it it almost made the designers feel like, oh yeah, well, maybe I don't have to, right? Because we have now these like ignorant people who are like, just lose weight. Okay, cool. Thanks so much for that, Becky. I'll keep that in mind next time I eat an apple, right? Um, <laughs> it's never occurred to me that I could change my body it's never size. Just occurred to me. It's like, <laughs> wow. So you're telling me that all I have to do is just lose a little weight. What? Right. Um, but we saw these things blow up. Right. And I have to be honest in 2021, like I have chosen in 2020, I feel like taught me a lot about where I expend my energy. Right. And 2021 has just confirmed that, um, I take note of who is not providing sizes that are close to my range and I will not support them. And that's as simple as that. I do feel like I am well-versed enough and pattern modification to make those patterns fit my body. Mm -hmm. But the way that I feel about it now is that if you cannot organically include my size there, and I know that I'm going to have to make modifications because like my waist is always three sizes smaller than my hips or my bust is always even smaller than that because I am in almost hourglass, but somewhat pear shape. Um, so I know that I'm going to have to modify, but I shouldn't have to be grading outside of a range. You should have something that's there for me or you should not get my dollars. And that's yeah. as simple, simple as it gets. Um, 
it's not hard. Like I, like I'm currently um, actually going through a pattern making course, you know, learning about it. And of course, because bodies are all different, right? It's not like you can just say, you know, let me throw this out there and it'll fit everyone. We all know that we're going to have to know our bodies, know our measurements, know how to do that. But I think that what the plus size community is asking is just to have those sizes included for us to grade between, you know? Absolutely. Does I, I have to roll back to your pattern making course. Does this mean <laughs> that we are going to get Aronica patterns? This might mean that that might come. <laughs> it's something that I wanted to toy around with, right? Because um, I look at so many, especially within our sewing community, I see so many, um, specifically even Black women, doing great things, right? But even amongst them, size sizes aren't included, right? And so I was like, you know what? I think I may, may want to um, become a more entrenched in this community in the, in, and highlight that we can not only be representing, representing our bodies in like the dopest way possible, right. Out here rocking crop tops and bodycon dresses, but we can also design and we can also, um, have this, like we can get a piece of this pie too, because I just don't see it enough. Like I don't, I don't know of a, um, a black plus size designer. And, um, I can't like, I literally cannot pull from someone who is mainstream. And I think that someone like that needs to be mainstream. So I'm toying with the idea of being that person. I I like that idea. I do know as we're recording this, we're coming off of black history month pattern designer Mm -hmm. challenge on Instagram. And I Mm -hmm. wanted so desperately to participate in that. And the first thing I did was go through every single designer to try and locate something that was drafted for my 61 inch hips. And Mm -hmm. there was precious little that was intended for my body. And I had Mm -hmm. some luck working with um, one of the ambassadors for the program, identified a few designers who were happy to grade up to try and include. Yeah. But it, but it took that special effort, which they were willing to make. So Mm-hmm. God bless them. That's a that's a good step, right? To be open it to is. that immediately. But it was really disappointing to me because somehow in my head, of course, every pattern company that was represented here was going was going to have my size, right. even though I know that's not true in any other pattern design space I go into. But it yeah. was it was disappointing, and um, I, I think there is a hole there, and it would be really great to see more. Um, plus size designers, particularly of color, working on those types of of projects. I agree. I absolutely agree. Like, I definitely love that Lily from Muna and Broad has that representation um, mm-hmm. as a woman of color, you know, or a person of color. Um, but you know, I definitely, I just want to see someone, um, you know, black become yeah, and, and who has black and with a big booty, like out here and you know, saving lives with thick thighs and dope patterns, you know? <laughs> I, I love that. I think that's that's a, a just a wonderful thing. Do you curate your Instagram and online spaces um, in any way to help you with your goals related to pattern sizing? I don't. <laughs> um, Not everyone does. <laughs> I don't. Only because, so 
my day job is actually as a professional digital content creator. And I, um, one of the things that I believe um, makes me stand out in all of my spaces is authenticity. And I believe that curation leaves, um, leaves little room for authenticity, authenticity, you know, like I like to follow um, people who I feel speak to me and what I, what I need to see. Right. Like Jenny, I fell in love with you because of um, the amount of energy that comes through your photos (laughs) It, the energy and the pride and the like unabashed, like I'm out here in my big body being fabulous. So enjoy it. Right. And that's what your picture screamed to me. And I like to go, I like to have that energy. Right. Um, but I also like to see just how things fit on smaller bodies. Right. So like, I like to see what the stereotypical small body person might, might be wearing. And then right. I want to make it for myself. Right. So we see these, it's almost bikini season. I'm going to be wrapping a bikini. Like I might actually oh, yeah. see something that, um, and in truth, Mimi G and I have similar body types. Like it, when I lose weight, my body type is very similar to hers. Um, she's got the bigger legs, thick ankles, and so do I, like, I like to look to her for inspiration for style because I want to see it. What it, like, I see what it looks like on her shape. And now I want to see what it looks like on my body. Right. Like, I don't believe in the, those fashion rules or quote unquote fashion rules of, you know, not wearing horizontal stripes and things like that. I, but I do like to get inspired from, um, everywhere. Beverly, now that you've had the chance to listen to the start of my chat with Aronica, what are your thoughts? Well, Aronica was the first person to mention, um, really negative judgmental comments from within the sewing community that she heard. And that is just absolutely unacceptable. I, I was so sad to hear that. And I hope that that will change immediately. At least I hope that people who listen to our podcast do not find that acceptable. And I like that she recognizes that she has to modify things, but she says, I shouldn't have to grade outside of a range or you should not get my dollars. I mean, that's perfectly acceptable. And the most exciting part is that she said she's in a drafting class. So I know I am desperate for my very first Ironica Cole original. Yeah, Um, (laughs) that'll be exciting. Yes, she is definitely a force to be reckoned with. And I I think there's nothing that she could not do. So I would be excited to see that happen for sure. I will say over the course of the conversations with these three ladies was when I made the decision that I would no longer support Charm Patterns, Gertie Hirsch's Patreon. And in addition to that, I found myself taking patterns I'd already purchased and moving them into a different folder mentally and physically saying, I'm, I'm not going to make these because I bought them thinking, oh, I could adjust that. But I'm not talking about adjustments. I'm talking about grading up above their maximum measurement. And I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. And prior to this, I'd been an apologist for that, thinking, you know, I mean, they got it all the way up to a 55-inch hip, which is the limit of what we'll talk about on this show, but doesn't fit me. And, and I've realized I'm, I'm not going to buy those anymore. That, that just for me, that's the line that I have to draw is to say, 
I can't buy it if it's not drafted to fit my body. And it's scary because there's a lot out there I want to make, (laughs) but it's liberating because as soon as I made that decision, there's a pattern I'd been waiting since I came back to sewing in 2019 to see increased in size. And when they increased it, they stopped at 56 inches. And I was, I was truly just heartbroken over this. It had been on my dream board for sewing for some time. And a week or two ago, I said, you know what? I can do that. And I can use a pattern I have, the Tarly t-shirt dress that I make, and I can adapt it. And I did it one better. I reached out to Leela and said, look what I'm going to do. And she came back and said, ooh, ooh, I have some thoughts on the shape of that pattern piece you need and sketched out a little shape for me. And I moved on from there to make three versions before I hit one that I'm really satisfied with. And I, I did it myself and I feel good about it because it's hashtag PF drafty, yes. but it's not grading up someone else's pattern. I started with a pattern that fits my body great because the designer cared about making it fit my body. And I added features to it because a design I wanted didn't care about doing that for me. So it was pretty exciting. I, I think I'd like to go ahead now, if you don't mind, Beverly, and start sort of chatting about some of the other pattern companies that I want to name check for good or for ill related to how they've handled um, size bias or size extension or other things related to sizing in the community. And the one I want to start with is really just a continuation of a regular love letter that I have to Cashmerette. <laughs> um, Cashmerette made a decision to expand their sizing in two different directions. Um, They've opted to go down to a size zero, which is brand new for them. Previously, they started at a 12, but also to expand up beyond their, I think it was 28, but it may have been 26, all the way up through a 32, which is a little bit larger than my hips. And I was so excited when I heard about this, but I will admit I was a little nervous and um, almost hurt that this amazing pattern company, the one that introduced me to the idea that there could be a pattern design almost to fit my body, (laughs) was going to go ahead and go down to a size zero, which from my perspective is like everybody else. And I recognize not all companies do go to a zero, but to me, a zero and an eight are the same. I mean, there's (laughs) it's it's equally distant, basically, (laughs) impossibly distant from my existing body. And I thought, Gosh, I I really, I genuinely felt hurt, which is an unreasonable thing for me to feel, but I felt it. But Jenny Rushmore made an incredible effort to make sure that fat and curvy sewists who had helped to establish the brand in that conversation space around plus size sewing felt included. Um, She reached out to ask, do you guys want to see one Facebook group or two Facebook groups? Do you want um, the zero to size 16 pattern group to be included in the advertising you see? Do you want to see all these other things about how we could mesh them together? And she listened to what people said and took that on board when she was making those choices. So there are two Facebook groups, two Instagram accounts, two newsletters. So if you only want to see fat bodies in your newsletters, you can. All all sewists who get our newsletter will see fat bodies. The ones on the smaller size range can elect to also see smaller bodies, but all will see fat bodies. And that is also going to be true for her pattern covers. All pattern covers will feature fat bodies. And that is so important. And I was hesitant. I felt nervous, but I really felt included in the conversation and in the decision. And I think she did a great job 
of trying to navigate what can be a really hard conversation. Did you get any of that? I don't know if you subscribe or anything else with Jenny. Were you aware of that conversation? How did you feel about it as a more straight-sized sewist? Well, I thought that was great. I've actually, I fit into the, um, the larger size range of Jenny, like the 12s and 14s fit me. So what I really like is that Cashmere offers multiple cup sizes. And I think that's great. And I, I, I believe that, you know, one of the reasons she went down to uh, small sizes is that, that it's difficult for people who are small sized, who have large busts to find patterns that fit them. Although I would argue that full bust adjustments are much easier than Full hip adjustments. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, but, and, um, but it's, but yeah. it's a market. It's a market that needed, you know, that has a need. And I think that's always been her market. I don't know that I'd put it quite so bluntly as to say her market is boobs, but that is <laughs> her market is the curvy sewist. It's not the fat sewist, although fat sewists are often curvy. Mm-hmm. It is the curvy sewist, the one with those big differences between um, bust and high bust, for example. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense to go down in size but man, when you fall in love with a curvy sewing company and suddenly and suddenly you realize they mean everybody with curves or at least everybody through a size zero to 32 with curves, it, it's complicated feelings. Yeah. But I thought she navigated it beautifully, which is is nothing less nothing less than what I would expect from Cashmerette. Um, one of the other ones I'd like to talk about, but I don't think I'm the right person to talk about it as much, is some controversy related to Tilly and the Buttons. Now, in my blog post, I'll give you a link to that controversy. Um, here, I'm just going to say that in December, they were asked a question about expanding sizing. It sounded like they weren't going to expand their sizing. And then in February, they suddenly announced expanded sizing would be on the way. And there was some controversy around that initial request that led to some hard feeling on the part of um, fat sewists related to this topic, but also led to a lot of what often happens with a really popular designer, a lot of defensive pushback from straight side sewists who couldn't understand why anyone was unhappy to begin with. (laughs) Um, And I'd really love to hear more about this from you because I know Tilly and the Buttons is a pattern company that you've got experience with where I've never fit into the range. So Um, it's not a company I've looked at. When I first started sewing, I found Tilly and the Buttons patterns. And it was wonderful because Tilly and the Buttons caters to beginners. Not all of her patterns are for beginners, but she has very good instructions. And I think that she has claimed a good portion of the beginner's market. Because of that, I think is why um, I hold her to a higher standard. She has a, she has a big market share as far as the indie pattern companies go. And when she puts out a new pattern, it becomes all the rage and it becomes ubiquitous in the sewing community. So she does have a bit of responsibility here. So here's where I had a problem. Uh, last year, I decided to teach my daughter how to sew. She was very excited to learn how to sew. And I said, oh, we'll start with a Tilly and the Buttons pattern. My daughter's measurements are very similar to Jenny's. And I was so surprised that they didn't come up to Anna's size. And it, it, was, it was really hurtful that I had, you know, kind of touted this pattern and I felt very bad for doing that. And I can only imagine that's how plus size sewists have felt for a long time when they go to Tilly's patterns. And I just found that to be really, really disappointing. And so when this conversation came up in December, 
I was very interested in it because the way that the conversation occurred was that someone had asked about, had mentioned that they still don't have their size range increased. They've been promising for a long time to increase their size range, but and put have put out several other patterns in the meantime without an increase in size range. The first answer that came back was actually, we found that it's not going to be financially suitable for us, that not enough people would want to purchase our patterns, which is a weird thing because of course no one will buy your patterns because there's not in your size. So how would they say, yes, they would. Then Tilly kind of changed that conversation around and said, Hey, we're working on it. And um, I did see recently that there was a call out and I actually posted this on my Instagram because I want to encourage good behavior. Even if it comes late, even if it comes because people had to, nail them to the wall on it. That shows that nailing people to the wall works. (laughs) If that's what it takes to make people change their behavior, then that's good. Of course, we wish that people would just do it on their own, but if they won't and this will work, then wonderful. If there are more beginner-friendly patterns available to uh, fat sewists, I think that that's a good thing. And I really, really hope that she's really is expanding her size range. And that in addition to the new patterns that come out, hopefully all the new patterns that come out will be in a new size range. And I hope that she re-releases as many of the old patterns as possible. I mean, it may take a little while. I, I understand that, but I hope that she really does release those patterns so that, so that everybody can, can use them. I think that'll be neat to see. I'll be honest. I still haven't gone and looked at any of her patterns because well, they're just not in your size range there for me. And even though she's doing testing now to expand that, it just, it just, it just didn't interest me yet. Mm-hmm. And I always find it interesting when someone tells me that she's a really big indie pattern designer because there's nothing in my feed that comes from her because I tend to follow people that she doesn't fit to. <laughs> and so I've, I had not experienced her as a big thing until I found one of her books at a used bookstore and opened it up and was like, oh, no, this isn't for me, um, which is true of 98% of sewing books that I find. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not meant for me. But um, but yeah, that's that's a, it's a neat thing. I'm glad to see change. I think change is good to encourage. I'll hold off on holding my breath until, <laughs> until we see if something happens Fair there. Enough. Yeah. Um, but when you make the comment about seeing someone expanding their size range and changing their mind and, and how important it is that they do that, even if they have to be nailed to the wall to do it, it actually brings me to my next call out, which is for Trish Newberry. Um, Trish Newberry announced some size expansion at the end of fa- February in her pattern group on Facebook, and it didn't go over well with some of the fat sewists that follow Trish Newberry patterns. Comments uh, were made about it saying that it really felt grudging and like, the way she announced it sounded like, yeah, I've finally been forced into doing this thing. I don't think will be successful anyway. And of course, if you're forced into doing a thing and you're not embracing it, it doesn't necessarily increase the odds that it's going to be successful. So that was a little frustrating. But she also announced that she wouldn't be updating old designs unless pe- enough people asked for the specific design and that she'd release the new designs both in her old limited size chart, which is really very limited, um, and sometimes she'd ex- release them as well in the new, new size chart. 
and sometimes in both. So basically always the old chart, sometimes the new one, and sometimes both. Um, this new size chart is really appealing. It goes up to a 71 and a half inch hip, which is a really good size extension and would be able to welcome in a significant number of potential new sewists, but the lack of commitment to fat sewists felt really disappointing. I'm going to read just some of the comments that were made on the specific announcement because because I think they're really telling about how the fat sewing community can feel. And you should keep in mind that, again, my opinion, the opinion of these people that I'm going to read sort of some of the commentary out from is is one way of looking at it. And there are definitely people who defend um, the, the approach that Trish took in this case. Um, I'm not one of them, but that's definitely a thing that happens there. Um, one of the first comments I read was performative action is not acknowledging the value of marginalized individuals, gaslighting and putting the need to change on the sewist you state you want to include. Humph. There's another person who said, this is really off-putting. I wonder if it puts off enough people that the range doesn't sell. And then they'll say they've lost money as they made the larger size patterns, but the plus size community didn't support them. So that'll be our fault too. And what that comment specifically reminded me of is places like um, uh, Loft, which has just recently announced they're discontinuing their extended plus size line. And they're doing it because after an entire year during a pandemic, they found not enough people were going into the stores and purchasing the garments. So there clearly isn't a market for it. So they're falling back to a max 18 size. Old Navy did that previously when they launched a plus size line that went from a 1X to a 4X. And they were very generously sized 1 to 4X. So they'd actually fit a, a much larger, I'm, I'm a 1X in their, in their sizing, which is not what I am anywhere else. So it's a very generous sizing, right? But they announced the line, they put it out in a limited number of stores for less than a year, said it was a failure, moved it entirely online. And it does gangbusters online, but they discontinued it because they didn't give it a fair shake, right? Someone else commented, it looks like she felt pressured and bullied into doing the extended sizing and then chose to vent when announcing it. And someone else uh, said, um, too bad for her and her attitude. We have other designers to choose from. And I think that is incredibly important to keep in mind that there are other designers to support and choose from, which gives you the opportunity to give your money to those designers and see them continue to develop uh, sizing and ranges and designs that are appealing to you. And I know that sometimes I can get stuck on the few that I really, really love but there are probably 25 different pattern companies that I have purchased patterns from that have things that go up to my size and beyond. Rebecca Page is one that has probably dozens, definitely dozens, maybe hundreds of designs available. That is a, a place where you could be spending your money better than with companies that aren't interested in, in you or your body. I, I think you had some other companies you wanted to call out, Beverly, that are doing quite well uh, as far as this goes as well. Um, there's, there's a couple of companies that I wanted to talk about. Um, one is one that we talk about a lot on here is style arc style arc has, they, they put, they have tons of patterns and they're all in their zero to 30 size range. And most of them have at least 61 inch hip. The one thing that's not so great is they don't have much fat representation. However, they don't have much representation at all. They have very few photos. And so I think it's people that the, the designers know. And I give yeah. a little bit more of a pass there because they don't look like professional models in there. I will say another thing that's really wonderful about Style Arc, which is, I think, an Australian company, but it's definitely... So. 
if it's not, I think it is. But anyway, it's it's definitely not an American company, but they are available as well on Amazon.com. Um, if you're someone who likes paper, you can actually purchase them on Amazon.com for the same pricing. Not oh, the same okay. deals. They don't run the deals, but you can buy them for the pricing. As well, Stylark in, um, uh, has an offer periodically where if you purchase enough of them, you get quite a discount. Um, and free shipping to the U.S. So it's something to keep an eye out for. I'll often hold on for that sale and buy 20 patterns at a time because of the strength of the discount and the fact that they will ship them to me. So um, I, I do like them. They they could use more representation, but honestly, even their hashtags aren't great because I don't think they're that well known here in the are. U.S. Yeah, I think I'm um, really surprised there's so few to to look at. One of my favorite companies, as you know, is Helen's Closet. And I think yeah. the one thing that that I really think that Helen's Closet can be an example to is someone like Tilly and the Buttons, because Helen's Closet is Helen. And she <laughs> has managed to redraft her entire line to a new size range. And I believe it was a year or a year and a half's time. She's done through all of her patterns. And she just put out a pattern right now. It's called uh, the March dress and it is beautiful. And she always has fat sewers in her models. Her illustration on the front of this package has a fat sewers and it's not, it's not like a plus size ready to wear person. Like, you know, somebody who's like a size 14 or something. It's a real fat sewers, you know, like somebody who has a different body type than a skinny sewers. And I, I really appreciate that. I think that's that's absolutely wonderful. Um, I also know that uh, Friday Pattern Company has recently started expanding a lot of their patterns up to their full 7X size range, including Sagebrush, which I make quite often, um, which goes up to a 63-inch hip. So yay, a little bigger than me. I will say that I feel some disconnect between the idea that my body is a 6X yeah. when in no other context am I a 6X. Um, and so that's, there's a little dissonance there. And there is, of course, a lot of bias around the naming of sizes and shaming around the naming of sizes. So I struggle a little bit with that. But the size is what matters, not the name of the size. And I keep that in mind. Um, they've recently re-released the Ilford jacket in that 63-inch size range. And I'm going to run right out and buy that because a denim work jacket is exactly what I need for those in-between days to be able to wear and sit outside to eat. So I'm looking forward to that. She really nice. Have really good representation of, of fat sewers on her um, in her advertising, um, as well as people of color and um, people of different genders. Yeah, and on her pattern packaging as well, which I think is even less common. So she does physical printed patterns, mm -hmm. but on that packaging there, there's a lot of representation in addition to just the digital representation for those images. So I really, I really do appreciate that. That's one of my um, all times favorites for sure. Didn't have anybody over 50 on our entire site though. You know, there's a problem there, <laughs> but it may also be that all the 50 year olds she uses look super young. Oh, that's true. Maybe, maybe, but but almost every pattern company that we're talking about can use more representation from us over 50s, with the exception possibly of Cashmere, who should only ever use me. Um, were there any other pattern companies you wanted to call well, out? You know, it's kind of implied by the fact that we we interviewed Layla. But of course, <laughs> Mun and Broad, you know, one of your favorites. I love that they'll draft patterns up to include your size. So 
if you have a size 84 inch hip, they're going to draft their pattern up to an 86 inch hip so that you have the ability to grade just like anyone else would between sizes. It's really impressive that offer. Um, I did in fact join their Patreon the very minute it became available. Um, the only thing that's weird about that to me is that a lot of the styles that they design are really more in your ballpark, I think, than in mine in terms of style aesthetic. Yeah. Um, but I think it is so important to support the work that they do yeah. that I absolutely am all in for supporting that on a monthly basis. And periodically, I get lucky and get a pattern that I just fall for, like the Tarlee, which is worth every penny. Yeah, um, that I've ever contributed to them because it is just such a perfect pattern for me for a t-shirt dress. So I love it. I think we had a couple other uh, resources we wanted to call out in addition to Broaden the Scenes. There's also the Kirby Sewing Collective, which has uh, a bunch of neat stuff on it. Jenny Rushmore is a part of that as well, but it they do, I believe, the, the feature that is different bodies, same pattern. Yeah. It's called something cleverer than that, but, but it is an opportunity to see people with different sizes give a similar review of their experience of a pattern across those sizes, which I think can be really helpful. I know the Chris Woods envelope dress just recently ended up in a feature there. Um, and I was featured in one recently that was for the Anna dress by Byham London um, and their expanded sizing. So I'd recommend those for sure. Um, Beverly, I'd like to make sure that you have space to have some commentary as a straight size sewist. Is there anything you'd like to share with us at this time? Well, Jenny and I did have a discussion because one of the things that, that I wanted to know is what can straight size sewists do to help this situation? Um, a lot of times, you know, uh, people who have more numbers in the community can have a lot of power, whether they know it or not. I want to say that this is new to me too. If you look at my Instagram feed, I haven't taken out of there, but there are Tilly and the Buttons patterns in there. For example, there are patterns that don't fit Jenny in there. There's a lot of patterns in there that don't fit Jenny. And <laughs> I had to kind of come around to the idea of changing my buying habits. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about um, what what I have decided to do as a straight size sewist to help put something towards the community. Part of the conversation that you had with Marianne, she states that it's very hard for you to use financial leverage to pattern companies because they already don't get your dollars. It's true. All you can <laughs> offer them is the potential to get that in the future, but they do get mine and I can offer to take it away. And taking away your dollars probably is more meaningful than the promise of potent, potentially dollars being added to them in the future. Yep. So I have refused to buy patterns that don't come in decent size ranges. Now, I, I say, first of all, these recommendations that I have here are for people who want to be an ally. If you don't want to, you don't have to. We're not we're not the police here. We're just we're just telling things that could be things that okay, you Okay, we're to do. definitely not the police here. We're definitely <laughs> not the police. This is what I have decided to do, which is I I made a cutoff for myself. I made the same cutoff that we have in this podcast. So the cutoff is I don't buy anything that's less than 55 inch hemp. Now, it's important to note that that's still smaller than Jenny's hip size. Yep. We decided that because I think we'd started with a 60 inch. We, we were going to go with your hip size, actually. 60 we were. Hip. And then and I actually, I actually was the driving force behind shrinking that hip size because I 
because I live in the 61 inch hip range and I'm aware that it's a really limited pool to fish in. Yeah. And I felt it was too limited for our conversations here. And and I really hate that that's how I feel about it. But right now I feel like that if we limited ourselves to things that naturally fit my body, we are down to a lot fewer companies. And maybe someday we're going to change that number. I hope we're able hope to so. because there's so much representation there. I mean, this is possibly feeding into that internalized fat bias. There's a lot of things that could be going on here. But this one was one where I I, I convinced Beverly to go for a more more open number. Well, and part of that about restricting us. And part of that is because of my own ignorance, because I said, oh, we'll just do 61 inch because that's what you have. And I figured there'd be plenty of patterns. Also, you may decide to have a different line. You may say, okay, I'll only buy things over 50 inch hip, whatever you think is a decent size range and fair Whatever you think is fair, you could choose that um, as your limit. And I, I would suggest that even if you think this, you don't want to do this, I would suggest you try it for a month because my eyes have been opened. Yes. There are so many things. So the dress that I drafted for myself from the Tarly is a winged dress by a company that hasn't expanded their sizes. Yes. They have two triangles shooting off the waist. You tie them in the front. It's adorable. Yeah. And I waited and I waited and I waited while every sewist on the planet was making that dress except me. And I guess all my fat friends, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was really frustrating because I wanted it desperately and I couldn't make the decision to go ahead and buy it because I was boycotting and I changed my mind. It yeah. just didn't exist for me. Yeah. It was a whole different thing. I think that's valuable. I think that it's, it's a worthwhile exercise, even if you don't want to continue this in the future. I think that for a person like me, I watch a lot of um, video vlogs um, with all different people doing their makes, their plans and all this. And so a lot of times I watch those and I'm like, oh, I want to make that too. I want to make that too. And I am starting to see what it's like for fat sewists, which is I'm like, oh, I want to make that. Let me go look in my phone and, and buy that. Oh, it's not in that range. And just to do that exercise so you understand exactly how limiting this is will be helpful. But Jenny and I also talked about a couple more tiers. If you don't, not, not crying tiers, levels. If you don't, um, (laughs) (laughs) if you don't, if that's too big of an ask for you. So if that's too big of an ask for you right now, you could choose not to advertise for those companies. So in other words, you would still buy these patterns that are, small size biased and maybe not post about them on Instagram. Or if you do post about them, maybe not tag the designer. And if even that is too big of an ask for you, there's a small thing that you can do that will be very helpful. If you make size limited clothing, could you please post the maximum size of those patterns? It will be so helpful if when somebody sees something, they don't get excited to make it, go look all the way to the website, go try to find it and find it's 12 inches too small for them. That seems like a pretty small thing to ask for. If you want to be an ally of any kind, I think that that would be a really wonderful thing that you could do to to be uh, compassionate to where other people's limitations in finding patterns are. Appreciate it when I understand what the maximum size is, because then at least I can be like, 
cool. I'm not going to like that too much. Then I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and limit how much I really desperately want the X that you have made because not going to be an option for me. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, as, as a, as a, as a, as a starting point for trying to um, contribute to the pressure to change sizing, just listing the maximum sizes is a really good place to go. And I certainly on my pictures, this is the other thing I do to try and normalize fat bodies is on every picture I post, I put all my measurements, high bust, full bust, waist, hips. I would put my underarm wing measurement, but I'm never sure how tight I'm supposed to pull that measuring tape. I'll say right here for the record, it's 18 and a half to 19 inches, depending on the mood of my wings on that day. Um, but it's, but it's data that's really important because for example, um, there are plenty of times I've seen a pattern and thought, oh, I would love to make that, but I've never seen it on a fat body. And then I later come to find out that that sewist, if I click through to their profile, which is still extra steps, but if I click through, I'm like, oh crap, they're my size. That would fit me. <laughs> and I don't know that because looking at the picture, I don't know that we're good judges of what bodies are shaped like ours. You yeah. know, looking at the picture, I'm like, I, mm, she seems real slim. I'm not sure that's going to work for me. <laughs> and then come to find out maybe it would. So it's really helpful to include those measurements on your pictures or in your text if you can. And if not, in your profile. Um, I hope you take the time to go out and look at the blog post that I put together. Um, and the blog post has a lot of different links in it. And so following those links and reading up on some of the controversies, looking at some of the videos that have been linked, things like that would be um, really appreciated. And then I'd love to see some feedback on it. Um, I feel passionate, but passion doesn't mean that I'm right or untrainable. So I look forward to getting some feedback. One of the things we set out to do when we started this podcast was to include as many people as possible. And the sewing community can be a great inclusive environment. And it it's... It's a it's a singular hobby that you mostly do by yourself, but we have this community and let's just hope that that more and more people are be able to be included. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, we would like to invite you after the end of this very controversial episode, potentially to, you know, find us on iTunes and rate us. <laughs> Preferably only if you're feeling Unless like, you know what? You off, then give it a day or two. <laughs> now, I will say that what we're really asking for is a rating that's based on, you think the energy and the spirit that we bring to it, not necessarily how annoyed you are that we name check someone that you really admire and love. Um, there's certainly desire designers that I admire and love that I call out on their Instagram for the lack of inclusive sizing because if you know better, you can do better. Um, so for us, definitely let us know in comments or direct messages if there's something we can do better and let us know on our iTunes um, if we're perfect by giving us that five-star review. <laughs> Thanks so much. And uh, I guess we will see, see you, you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. The Punk Frockers podcast is created, performed, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. Our artwork and music is designed, written, and performed by Jim Duran. 